Morning, everyone. We all all right? We all somewhat awake? Yeah? Um, I'm sorry if you really like good analogies and good stories. We don't have one of those to start us off today. Instead, we're going to jump a bit straight into it. So prepare yourselves. We're going to dive in and we're going to be looking at what revival means for us. We're going to be looking at what it means for us to be revived, for our communities to be revived, and for the world to be revived. But before we get into that, Elias, would you like to pray for us? Yeah. Um, Lord, I thank you that we can all gather here today. I thank you that we can do this as a whole. We can do this as your church, Lord. I pray that... um, you would open our hearts and our minds. Um, I pray that we would have uh, ears to hear and eyes to see what you are trying to revive in us, Lord, and what you are trying to um, to create in us, Lord. I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us and that it would be profound in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so just to make it clear, one of us is going to um, help do the slides and we're going to sort it out for the other person while. So I'm going to look at the, um, the world and our communities and then Elias is going to look at what that means for us as individuals and we're going to switch halfway through. Okay, so just to make that clear in case you're a bit like, what is the other person doing here? Um, so I'm going to start with the world and we're going to start big and we're going to work down through the world, communities, and to ourselves. So first, we want to set out what we're longing to see in the world, what we're longing to see as humanity in this place. Um, And I've got this this handy globe to help me. Um, Because at the moment, the world looks a little bit like this, if I can get this to work. And can we drop the lights very quickly, Ollie? If it's, so it looks a bit like this. We have glimpses everywhere of what God is doing in the world. We have glimpses of what God has been up to and they're happening all over the planet and we see it in our day to day. But where we're travelling towards is a little bit different to this. And I'm going to read and then we're going to see how this affects this. Um, We are in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow 
or crying or pain or sickness. All these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. What we're seeing here is there will actually maybe come a day where these glimpses will turn into a steadfast reality all across the world and that there will be light all across the world in a newly created thing. And what I want to pick out of this is two parts of that new creation that we see in Revelation 21. One of them, we find all through it, that God's creativity is being revealed to us. We see that God is creating and continuing to create, not just in Genesis, but all the way through the Bible, up until this point and beyond, where we have a new heaven and a new earth. God is still creating. God is still a creative God. Could go on to the next slide, please, I guess. The other thing that we see here in verse 4 is that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and all sorrow will be gone and all sickness will be gone. There will be a real new joy, a new life in this place. And I think it's fair to say as a result of that and as, as almost a causation of that, there will be justice in this place. To, I feel like to be in pain, sometimes you really feel unjustified in that, if I can use that word. And that there will be justice in this place. And people will live no longer under rulers and tyrants, but under God's kingdom and under the rule and reign of God. So we have these two parts of creativity and justice in this place that I've picked out of this passage. And they show us something of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. Um, But as we were just saying in the prayer, it's not like that, is it? We have a world of injustice and a world of poverty and a world of stagnation. So what does it look like for that to be revived now? I think to answer that question, we might have to zoom in a bit. We're going to zoom in for what this looks like in our communities as YCC. What does this look like for us as a church? Well, there's another picture in the Bible. Revelation is the picture of the world and what that will look like. But there's a picture in Acts chapter 4. And what we have here is this group of ordinary people who are just filled with the Spirit of God. And it says this in 32 through 35. All the believers were united in heart and in mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them 
and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. So we've had this image of a revived world. And here in Acts 4, we see an image of a revived community. And these people are experiencing this community, and they're really actively participating in this revived community. And I want to pick out three things from this. These followers had connection with each other. That's the first thing. They were connected to each other. They spent time together. They poured time into each other. They were connected as people. Second, these followers had shared vision. God, Jesus himself, gave them this vision to reveal the kingdom of God, to testify powerfully to the resurrection of Jesus, as we see in here. Working with the Holy Spirit to reveal something of the kingdom of God in their day. Is that not the call we have now as a church? And third in that, because of their connection to each other and their devotion to each other and their vision, they had unity. They were united as people. They were together in one body. So we see this image of revived community in Acts, and we have to ask now, do we see the same amount of unity in our communities today? Do we see unity and connection and vision, or do we see disconnection and division? Maybe if we want to unite as a people, we need to zoom in closer again and look at our own hearts and our own selves so that we may be able to connect and unite. Elias, what does this mean for us as individuals? Right. So for the world to be revived, we first need to look at our own hearts because revival starts with us. There can't be a revival of the communities and there can't be a revival of the world if there isn't a revival in each individual person. We need to first search our own hearts before revival on a larger scale even begins because revival of our hearts as individuals fuels revival in our communities and revival in our communities fuels a revival for our nations for our world. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For us to first be revived, we need to search our own hearts. We need to work through deep-rooted issues in our lives and things that we've enslaved ourselves to whether that's our phones or work or a bad habit, we, we allow these things in our lives to burden us and limit that freedom that we've inherited from the cross. We become enslaved to them sometimes. What, what is the enemy trying to make you a slave to? What burdens are limiting this freedom that you've inherited from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? See, when... We search our own hearts first and break down old structures 
that we intentionally create space for God to build up more of him in us. We need to work with God through these issues, walk in obedience to what he reveals to us, and allow God to revive our hearts. And when we find joy in obedience, it becomes a habit and not a burden. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 5 to 6, um, it says, And know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. We can often get lost in doing everything perfectly when we think of obedience, but we can choose to rejoice in our walk of obedience of God. We can do this by looking at where our obedience has produced fruit in our lives in praising God for the changing and revival of our hearts. It's not all about perfection. Obedience doesn't mean you have to live a perfect life. Obedience is the conviction to live as close as you can to God's perfect and pleasing will. Revival starts with us. We can't awaken someone else if we are ourselves sleeping. We can't have revival in our communities and then have revival in our world if we ourselves are stagnant. So what does walking in obedience to see revival look like? How, how do we carry this out? In Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I've seen that a few times from Joe Hardy. He'll be loving it. Um, <laughs> we have to actively choose to walk in obedience to God's will and not our own. We have, to, we have to choose to deny ourselves and the things that aren't of God to make room for God to be more present in our lives. This means that we fully surrender our body. We fully surrender our bodies as a living sacrifice to God, whether it means that God uses you to speak to a colleague or a friend to awaken their spirit, or whether that's simply being obedient in your everyday tasks, in, your, in the things you do every day, your habits, your hobbies, and anything else that is clustering our hearts and taking up the space reserved for God. What is in our hearts where God should be filling completely, that we've allowed to burden us, that we've allowed to become a yoke of slavery in our lives? When we allow God to cleanse us of those things that aren't of him and we allow God to revive our hearts, we're transformed into a vessel for bringing God's revival on a larger scale because revival starts with us. Um, I've got a poem. We can have the next slide. One person awake awakens another. The second awakens their next door brother. The free awake can rouse a town by turning the whole place upside down. The many awake can cause such a fuss, it finally awakens the rest of us. And now that this isn't the Bible, it shouldn't be taken as a Bible, but the point in this poem is that you can't awaken someone if you yourself are sleeping. We cannot have a revival in our communities if we as individuals are not revived. We cannot then have that revival that's in our communities reviving our whole world. Because revival starts 
with us. Sim, could you lead on from that? Fantastic, thank you. Um, so if I can invite the worship team back up as we get ready to respond to this. Um, the point here is exactly as Elias just said. Revival starts with us. This starts with us. And that if we want to see our communities become revived communities, if we want to see the world look a bit more like this and get a bit more towards this in the now, we need to look inwards and we need to look at ourselves where we need to be revived as individuals so that we may come together as community. Now, you might think for, for me that someone in full-time ministry, um, that actually I have this nailed and like my, own, like my agenda is God's agenda because I work in the church. Like that's like, I just work on God's agenda. But actually, and I'm not particularly proud to say this, but as someone who does work full-time for the church and spends quite a lot of time doing so on so-called Christian activity, whatever that means, that actually I still battle with this. Daily, hourly, putting aside my own agenda for his. Allowing him to cleanse what's within me, as Elias was saying. I know that I need to take a look inwards because I can do all the Christian things that I want to do but I can still live a life quite far away from what Jesus calls me to. Because I need to look inwards, and I need to look in at myself and see where I need to submit to Jesus and make him king. And if we do this as a collective, if we surrender ourselves and submit ourselves, maybe our communities might start to look a bit more connected we might all start to realise that we have a similar vision that Jesus sets out for us. And that will unite us as a community. And if united, revived communities connect with each other on a large, large scale, we will start to see creativity come in this world in a way that we haven't seen it before in the now and we'll start to see some justice done in this world for the poor and for the oppressed that we haven't seen it before but that starts with us and that starts with us laying down what we have to lay down to Jesus So what we're going to do now is we are going to do exactly that. I'm going to, I've just talked through how I need revival. So I'm going to go back to my seat and we have the cross out here. And before that cross where I am, I'm going to kneel. And I'm going to ask God to show me the areas in my life where I need revival all I would invite you to do, whether you're here in your seats or at home with us in your living rooms, 
to join us, to ask in our lives, where do we need God to revive us? Where do I need to lay things down and give Jesus the authority? So please join us in that. And Father, I pray that you show us where we need revival. I pray that we would have ears to hear and eyes to see what you are doing in us. I pray that you show us that today so that we may become more connected, more unified, and that something of your kingdom might be revealed in this world. And I pray that in your name. Amen.